welcome to this roundup with each day passing cyber crimes keep rising with millions of annual cyber attacks cyber crime has become a real threat to anyone using computers smartphones tablets internet of things and many other gadgets connected to the internet so as we move rapidly towards one of the most open societies in a world that is more connected than ever before without the necessary security framework and infrastructure in cyberspace it is not only the cyberspace that is at risk geospace and space are also at risk since cyberspace has brought us all a security thread that blurs the boundaries of not only cyberspace geospace and space but also the boundaries of nations its government industries organizations and academia the emerging security threats as a result has no visible front borders or armies as a result it is important that we evaluate new developments and new platforms in cybersecurity while we still do not fully understand the complex computer networks and their weak vulnerable points there is a growing belief that a blockchain integration and consensus mechanism of verification is possible and it will take us on a path towards security so to discuss blockchain and cybersecurity further i'm delighted to welcome david carvalho to risk roundup david is the ceo of neoris and is based in united kingdom welcome david we are so very honored to have you on risk roundup thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here wonderful david so today cyberspace is deeply embedded across day to day lives of individuals as well as entities across nations its government industries organizations and academia and as a result its crowded interconnections are bringing very complex chaotic and challenging times for everyone no one is secure across nations so what vulnerabilities from cyberspace do you think are creating these complex security challenges for the current systems that we have across nations right thank you very much for for that question that's a very encompassing question um in my opinion um uh, i think that the majority of risks that come out are just the natural consequence of complexity of environments uh, regardless if we're talking about organizations or nation states or critical infrastructure um or even individuals at home um it is clear that uh, uh, how can i say development human development technology development has been increasing uh, to a point where it leads us to a situation of uh, extreme complexity so current environments do not do not operate well with extreme complexity i mean they do operate from a usability perspective but they do not operate well from a management security uh, confidentiality uh, perspective and security in general i mean um there can be many ideas of security there's several domains to it from cryptography to 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 uh, um anti malware to to network security etc so um as this complexity grows up and as we go into the fourth industrial revolution uh, can i say the iot the iiot um now bringing forward uh, as the world is the fifth uh, um the 5g as well um all of these devices that were uh, you know historically not made for security they were made at best for usability are going to be accessible with high speed internet so their their threats and, and risks are going to be multiplied as well around that 
Um, so this is just merely a, a consequence of um, uh, progress. Um, so we need basically to uh, achieve a, a solution to, to this moving forward because um, the current status is not maintainable. Um, current threats are too high. As you know, it's very common to see uh, huge uh, breaches on the news constantly from, uh, I don't know, the one that happened in Equifax where hundreds of millions of credit cards were lost to cyber criminals, to many others, even including nation states and uh, in, in regards to cyber war as well, which is a thing that I tend to be quite, uh, quite connected to as well from a, a personal and business perspective. Um, so in my from my perspective, when you mentioned during your intro um, the blockchain and the consensus mechanism to, let's say, kind of like rule them all, um, then, uh, you know, it's clear to me that uh, that uh, passes as, and uh, how can I say, right now, probably the most encompassing and robust uh, potential solution towards uh, solving future problems. As, uh, how can I say, there is not a lot of discussion about this on the internet, but actually um, blockchain can also be used to generate lots of threats within this system um, or the current systems. Um, and only a blockchain-based solution could uh, tackle that. Um, I can speak a little bit deeper on this as we move forward, but this is the generalistic cancer. No, absolutely. No, I think that's a great background and understanding you provided. And uh, when cyberspace... Uh, fundamentally changes the definition and meaning of security because of all these, uh, you know, developments that are happening. There is no such thing as secure anymore. And if, as we know, we are discussing, if we incorporate that into geospace and space and the complex security challenges, it just, you know, hits the roof. So when the security concept is currently being subjected to big changes with its respect to its aims or capabilities, sources, connectivity and the dimension of threats, it makes us wonder how the many unknowns of cybersecurity are influencing the average cost of information and data breach, as you, as you just you know talked about the data breaches. So as we look at blockchain, how do you see security community benefit from the technology integration and fix their security vulnerabilities? I see a huge uh, benefit from it. Um, so pretty much transversally. Uh, regarding what you said, I agree completely. And uh, I would say that uh, um, if there's something that's true around cybersecurity or the cybersecurity space, um, is that for the last 30 years, 35 years, in effect, nothing has changed. Uh, the approaches have been pretty much similar. They have been based on, can I say, singular points of failure. I mean, the more the business grows, uh, the more devices they have, the more budgets they have, obviously, also for cybersecurity. But the more devices, servers, partners, complexity they have, the more vulnerable they become. Um, and this is, uh, as, as you were mentioning before, it is transversal across industries. It's transfer transversal across environments that are very conscious of security and environments that are not. So for people at home, all the way to agencies uh, or even nation states, critical infrastructure, highly, highly regulated industry like banks, etc., all suffer from, from these threats. Um, blockchain pretty much uh, changes the paradigm there. 
um, because it allows us um, to uh, achieve uh, solutions that were not possible before from a level of, uh, uh, from a, per a perspective of, of trust and resilience um, that were impossible as well before. And all backed at the same time by very strong cryptography, cryptography that's recursive and recursively validated and based on, uh, how can I say, generalized consensus that's based on different mechanisms, probably for um, different threat levels. Um, but uh, uh, moving forward, um, that is clear that, uh, to me, that the way that cybersecurity is going to, uh, how can I say, be done in the future and be approached has to fundamentally change change. We cannot be in a situation where the only thing that you expect is always the attacker to win every time. And that has been the situation for the last 35 years. Um, that is like the singular truth about uh, cybersecurity. It's just a question of time. Um, budget also almost is not a factor in a way. Uh, it, it stops automated attacks and many other uh, attack, attack vectors, but it does not necessarily make you safe. Um, so cybersecurity comes into the fray from a very academic perspective. So cybersecurity is a very um, nascent technology. It has been maturity, maturing quite well in the last years. Um, and we at Nowadays fundamentally believe that uh, um, such technology will continue to evolve. And we're going to continue to use, how can I say, the, be the best uh, um, uh, 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 technology surrounding it or the best uh, techniques that it will provide us uh, uh, in order to achieve bigger speed, bigger trust, bigger resilience, uh, bigger security, not just for the blockchain, but for the services that it uh, tries to protect. But uh, to try to give you, um, how can I say, a different uh, example on how it actually changes the paradigm that we have. Um, because in my opinion, it, it, and as, as I write very clearly in our white paper, um, it fundamentally flips the, the nature of uh, uh, cybersecurity as we know it. So um, when we have environments, as we are mentioning before, that are very complex at the moment and that have many, many devices and many IoT devices and systems, virtual, physical, etc., mobile phones, laptops, servers, cloud, third parties, cybersecurity vendors, and many other vendors. Um, uh, this complexity creates um, a multiple layer of vulnerability, of threat, of risk that uh, was never there before. And as we, seem, we, we try to, how can I say, expand our networks and make them uh, more usable, we also um, create a lot more complexity that's hard to manage. Um, it's very hard to protect, very expensive. And for an attacker, it's quite easy to, how can I say, find one of those systems vulnerable, um, how can I say, exploit that system or exploit a human that has access to a system and move laterally across the organization and even their third parties and uh, just leave off the land, as it's called. Um, the amount of time of living off the land, by the way, around the world varies, but in the US is about 100 days. In Europe, is about 240 days, and in Asia, it's even worse. So this is the amount of time an attacker is in a system or in a whole organization, owning all sorts of data and all accesses, pretty much limited to, to their own imagination, um, before they're even detected. And usually, they're detected by a third party, and it's very, very, very hard to even kick them out. If you rebuild all your systems, you're still not sure if you kicked out or not. So cybersecurity changes with blockchain in this context fundamentally, because the more systems exist in an environment, the more complex that is, 
um, uh, that that environment when transformed into a side chain or a blockchain, what we call uh, verge clusters, um, becomes as resilient exponentially as the number of devices on it. Um, not just on it, but also off it. So let's say this is an arm of a blockchain. The rest of the other blockchains that are you know, part of the universal blockchain of security um, will verify uh, you know, all sorts of cybersecurity transactions or related critical transactions that the system has within it. So as an attacker, when I exploit the system um, that is, uh, uh, how can I say, a, a random server from some random company, it's very easy for me to actually move laterally and own the business after a while. But uh, um, by uh, employing techniques that the blockchain actually allows us to do, we can uh, stop this cascading event from happening and we can reduce that uh, uh, detection factor from uh, uh, about 100 days to, um, in best case scenario, to or never, who knows, to about a second which is the time that the environment takes to achieve consensus on a truth, a cryptographic truth that has changed. Um, so let's, giving, given the example of, for example, a business that has 5,000 devices, which is really easy to have, by the way, it wouldn't be a big business, but it could be a very critical business. If you think about maybe a nuclear power station or something like that, that are usually targets of uh, uh, cyber war and, and things like that, or other critical infrastructure. Uh, right now, every single device there is a single point of failure. It's a point of entry for the attacker. Um, but when they are within uh, an environment that shares, uh, uh, how can I say, security information regarding critical areas, critical applications, um, critical libraries, critical accesses to systems, when any of these rules, cryptographic rules, are broken by an attacker, regardless of the techniques that he uses, there will not be consensus on the environment regarding the change that happened. So integrity is the key here. So the blockchain actually operates very well on top of integrity. Integrity is also almost mathematically perfect. When uh, it, either something has integrity or it doesn't, there is nothing in between. Um, so the blockchain actually allows us to um, do cybersecurity in a different way that looks at integrity in a democratized, distributed format uh, within our ecosystem. So when integrity changes in a system, we know that's very critical, let's say, a system that, for example, controls the uh, nuclear power plant core temperature. We know that we can no longer trust that system. We might not know what the threat is, uh, but we know that an action needs to be done immediately or needs to be achieved through consensus by the blockchain if there is rules in order to uh, subvert the tax of that magnitude um, to take care of that threat immediately. Otherwise, we would have a situation of, for example, a zero day that would be there and it would, we wouldn't know about it because, you know, traditionally for us to deal with the problem, we need to know what that problem is. Um, but in this context, we don't need to know what that problem is. We just need to know that that system is fine. And if it is not fine, then for an attack to happen, something needs to change there in some critical areas. Um, that consensus, that source of truth would be universally known. So that attack would be universally known through the blockchain and the blockchain would conclude that that is not cryptographically acceptable. Therefore, it would, uh, how can I say, create a fix or, uh, or de-risk that situation immediately. Um, of course, for the attacker, um, given the blockchain is present um, in a system like ours, 
it would be exponentially harder for him to do something because instead for him instead of him just attacking that system and winning he would have to attack all systems in at the same time break all the encryption at the same time attack all the nodes and all the verifiers at the same time and our verification is is done in a kind of like in a different way than most blockchains verifications is it actually random validators are chosen so you would actually have to own the whole infrastructure of infrastructures beforehand in order to attack a single system and you would have to do that probably in in some some, some milliseconds so that makes it very much impossible at the moment from a, an academic perspective to do um and, and this is really our perspective around fully transforming the world of cybersecurity as we know it um so it's a complete transformation let's say it's a uh, it's a jump on its head of the of the current paradigm um and this can be also achieved and we are we have already already product that we have uh, um can i say uh, partners working with um multi billion dollar companies and also uh, military nation state governance structures and other critical environments that are naturally very interested in this uh, um that actually fundamentally changes their approach to cybersecurity not just from a perspective of their own security but from a perspective of their third party security because uh, the blockchain in this context is also used for maintenance of standards and uh, not just internally because you can actually prove that every machine in your organization is actually following you know all the uh, technical uh, best practices from an ISO 27001 perspective or or uh, what other, whatever other perspective it could be it could be HIPAA in case of healthcare and others uh, NIST etc um it, this is very hard to subvert because it's again it's a cryptographic truth that is shared through the blockchain so you can uh, find the issues instantly and fix them instantly um using automation and 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 in different levels of artificial intelligence regardless of how many systems you have on your network so you you leverage your complexity towards your benefit right um the more complex it there is the more the more you thrive and the more secure you become and the same thing for your third parties as well because you are suddenly able to audit them from a cybersecurity perspective best practice perspective and even SLAs that they have with yourself um without sending an auditor in <laughs> you can audit them instantly through the blockchain in a cryptographically uh, uh, how can i say verifiable manner that is very very hard to break uh, instantly at every point and this is done through a way that is anonymous and agnostic so um as you have seen in our white paper um you can actually know that your partner is not following an sla with you cryptographically because something got broken but you have no way to know through the blockchain if that partner what is or can i say wrong with that partner or what is the system that is vulnerable etc so that gives no advantage to any party in terms of exploiting the system but it still allows you to enforce best practice or enforce that sla to the fullest extent right um, but on the partner side because they are owners of their own uh, sidechain their own verge cluster they will have all the information to go and fix it so you you are able to do that uh, in a way that was never possible before so now we're talking about uh, different domains of cybersecurity and even audit and compliance 
that uh, the blockchain comes and, and, and has the huge capability of, of completely revolutionizing uh, from a time perspective, from a trust perspective, because we're talking about very strong cryptography here, even with quantum resistance, and um, uh, also from a, um, a perspective of, um, of um, um, uh, sharing that truth with other parties, let's say regulators or, or, or something like that, and main while maintaining security across the, across the uh, framework or the ecosystem. Sure. No, I, I think that's a great, you know, uh, background that you gave on uh, this initiative. But what what do you think should be the goal of the cybersecurity industry as the efforts to integrate with blockchain begins? Because uh, there, like we see, you know, the cybersecurity is very broad, and you know, it's not only the antiviruses or I mean the viruses or malware that we are after, but also the vulnerabilities in the IOTs, vulnerabilities in the uh, processes, vulnerabilities in the technology, so many different, you know, and, the, you know, uh, people problems that comes uh, within, you know, any uh, entity. So as you go forward, how do you see your initiative being enforced across, you know, any corp corporation, you know, small or big or any organization or academia or, you know, irrespective of which component of a nation we are talking about, how do you see them benefiting from the blockchain that you are developing or rather the, you know, system that you are developing for the cybersecurity, where, where they would benefit and how they would benefit if they, you know, uh, are all, you know, interested in getting on your blockchain? Right. So um, I think there's two parts to this. Um, one is the fact that I firmly believe that uh, uh, regulation will catch up on this. Um, so um, I, I, I firmly believe that in a number of years, uh, hopefully not a lot, uh, we will see, uh, how can I say, main standards around cybersecurity actually demanding that uh, uh, you have, uh, uh, how can I say, a distributed approach to cybersecurity, right? That you have a distributed approach to identity management, that you have a distributed approach to audit, that you have a blockchain-based approach to um, network security, to log management, to the other environments of cybersecurity, the other domains. Right. Uh, so I fundamentally think that that will happen because the current, uh, how can I say, approach is clearly, despite best efforts, not working. Um, and uh, having into account that uh, there are other threats that will come in uh, also due to other technologies, including blockchain. Um, uh, this is uh, something that, uh, how can I say, if we ignore it, it's to our own detriment. Now, how can companies, businesses, uh, how can I say, critical infrastructure, governments, highly regulated industry, uh, healthcare, and many other environments, banking, um, benefit from such structures? Um, it's clear uh, that uh, um, their approach uh, currently is not working. Therefore, and the benefits are uh, uh, when they actually onboard themselves into something like this um, are, are, are easily seen from a perspective that, you know, it's easy to implement. So you actually don't need to change your environment. Um, so regardless uh, of whatever systems you already have, uh, you don't need to uh, uh, change anything. You can um, uh, implement this on uh, any operating system in principle. So any Unix-based system, Linux-based system, which are most of the, the critical servers that exist um, in embedded systems and controlling systems, so com command control environments as well, for example, talking about uh, SCADA systems and critical infrastructure, and also in Windows environments. 
Um, uh, of, of course, when I mention Unix and Linux, I'm not forgetting the mobile devices. Uh, um, so currently, this environment works in all these formats. Um, the onboarding is very simple also, because there is no appliances um, to be uh, uh, created or, or needed on these environments. There's no need to add a rec server somewhere uh, or, or a blade somewhere or a virtual appliance somewhere. Um, it, the approach is based on a, a software deployment. Um, and that can be distributed regardless of how many devices exist in, our net, in your network through either, um, uh, in case of Linux and Unix, um, a package distribution service um, um, or uh, by Windows updates, for example, in, a case, in case of Windows systems to, to, to the workforce um, uh, or your mobile management service. Um, from that point on, rules will be defined within the systems. So the, um, the, 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 the organization that wants to benefit from, from uh, such an approach will define what matters to them, will basically define what are their, 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 um, their crown jewels, what really is critical, what's business critical for them, what are the business critical applications, uh, what are the business critical databases, the business critical servers. So the level of granularity is pretty much defined by the end client. This could be, we can be looking at, for example, whole networks or even clusters of systems, or we can be looking at things as, as minute as, uh, for example, uh, a certain executable and the, the libraries that it is calling for a certain application, right? Um, so um, it is, you know, our approach is, is very much an open approach. Uh, it's not, uh, uh, how can I say, uh, uh, one box to fix it all. It is the customer that will define uh, what really matters to him, to what extent it really matters. And uh, that will, in the end, uh, be critical because consensus within the chain will be achieved to different levels based on criticality and based on response that's needed for that criticality. So as an, exp as an, as an example, let's say that uh, um, I define all my, I don't know, critical servers that control uh, SCADA systems in a, in a, in a dam um, as super critical, right? Um, so, for example, when when uh, when some sort of, of breach or or can I say a, an escalation of privilege or an exploit happens in that system, or even unknown malware, for example, it happens. And this could be anything. It could be anybody making a, you know someone from the company making a mistake that could be critical, all the way to, for example, a, a nation state level attack. Um, these, the system answer uh, would be achieved through consensus. Now, because this is a very critical system, the company would define, um, um, how can I say, consensus-related answers to this that would be achieved in under a second. And these answers could be, since it's a very critical system, it would probably fail over somewhere else without any outage, right? Without any, any loss of data, et cetera. That would be because they would already be following certain standards regarding ISO and stuff like that, they would already, in NIST, they would already be having like redundancy on this system. How can I say, uh, backups, uh, you know, uh, time-based backups, etc. So they would have a lot of mirrors of this system as well. So we could either, you know, fail it over instantly or something like that uh, in order to achieve uh, uh, maximum security on this system. And then, and you know, go and use other tools, for example, after the de-risking process 
to see from a forensics perspective where the threat came from. But for example, if you want to look at, uh, for example, mobiles, let's say the company has, I don't know, 5,000 or 10,000 mobiles, um, maybe you would have that in a lower threat level. Um, and uh, the rules that you would apply there for a consensus mechanism from a blockchain perspective would be more related to, you know, has this mobile phone been breached? Has it, uh, for example, been uh, jailbroken? So you can no longer trust it. Um, has it been rooted in case of Android phones? And you can no longer trust it. And as an application being installed there that it shouldn't be, that breaks your policy, for example. So in that situation, you could very well just literally, you know, just wipe the phone or um, achieve consensus in the sense that you would kick the phone out of the network, you know, so you can, you don't need to worry about it anymore. You can no longer join your network, for example. Um, of course, those solutions couldn't be applied in a more critical environment because it could risk an outage. But uh, it is for the customer to define where their critical environment lies and uh, where the non or medium critical environments live and what they are and what are the solutions that they see according to their own policy from a compliance perspective and internal policy perspective to actually deal with these threats. So if you think about what we're doing from a perspective of comparison, think about, for example, database sellers or vendors. They've, they sell you a database, right? But it's up to you to put whatever you want inside and to make the relationships. Um, so it, it, again, it's not one size fits all. So in our approach, it's very much the same, um, except we're doing it for cybersecurity across all domains of cybersecurity pretty much um, by using a, a universal consensus mechanism that uh, uh, brings a level of, of truth, trust, and the resiliency that was never possible before with traditional techniques outside of a blockchain. Sure. No, that is what, you know, we are hoping for as we redefine and redesign the systems that the trust is there, transparency is there, you know, and uh, integrity is there so that everyone can believe in the systems that uh, are out there. Now, as you talked, you know, about the devices, I'm wondering, many of these devices, you know, brings in risks that have interconnectedness and interdependency. So how will you, how will your system that you're talking about will manage those device interconnectedness and interdependencies, you know, risks that are emerging from that? Right. So there's a lot to say about that. So, for example, if, uh, if you talk about, let's say, IoT, right? IoT is a good example because everything is possible within it. You can have cameras, you can have sensors, you can have all sorts of things. Um, ideally, these systems are not going to be managed directly because if you can imagine like a company, it's easy for a company that have many buildings to have all sorts of sensors and cameras and maybe machine learning cameras and all things that are going on there like to, to, to manage all sorts of things that are connected to their network and if they manage each one, you know, with the tool from the vendor, it's going to be very hard to manage. So there are several vendors that have been coming out, for example, with uh, uh, methods to actually uh, manage that centrally, which is great. But that system centrally, that centralized system becomes a, a huge single point of failure, right? So from my approach, we need to onboard that system into, uh, how can I say, uh, an environment of consensus regarding the security of that, 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 that system itself. Um, so if you can trust that system, and if all device management, uh, how can I say, even embedded systems, are uh, managed from that command and control system, just pretty much like happens with SCADA environments in the big industry, um, 
you should be able to achieve a level of security that's not really uh, known at the moment. So while many systems are not, uh, how can I say, possible to onboard blockchain into directly, you can still um, uh, secure them by consequence, by securing the systems that manage them. Yes, no, I, I that makes sense. So now as you... As the system works on many of these devices, let's say, you know, irrespective of whether it's IoT devices or, you know, mobiles or laptops, uh, you know, desktop, any of these devices, as the devices are used and as the your system is implemented on them and as the it gathers more and more data and it gathers more and more information about the cybersecurity, you know, risk that they see emerging, how will the cybersecurity intelligence, you know, be will move forward and will be transferred to the right owners or to the transfer to the right stakeholders to let them know that the security risks are emerging and that they should be more aware about it. So, is there any mechanism to notify or you to gather the cybersecurity intelligence, or is it you know only to manage the risk in silo that your system is approaching? Mm -hmm. So, from the approach, there's two. Uh, can I say there's two parts to my answer to your question? So, uh, uh, our approach to siloed systems, as they are at the moment, is to unsilo them to make them part of uh, um, uh, an ecosystem a uh, through a protocol. Um, on this process, or by doing this process, um, we um, get to a point uh, uh, where uh, uh, all these systems are in a situation where their cybersecurity is guaranteed by all the others. Now, uh, if you don't mind, just uh, uh, for, 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 for me to make sure that I'm answering the question correctly, repeat the first part of your question, so, because I'm not absolutely sure what you meant. As, as, the, uh, as we you know, implement any, anybody implements your blockchain, anybody yeah. that is on your system, blockchain system, any of the devices, any of the entities. Oh, from an intelligence perspective, sorry. I, I, yeah. Okay, so I actually wanted to answer that a little bit different. Um, so that would be a little bit, that's a different sort of intelligence. So the intelligence that, they, that or the threat intelligence that exists today is an, is an intelligence based on, it's intelligence based on hearsay uh, and based on sticks, taxi and other protocols. Um, and also, uh, how can I say, people that are uh, basically doing grunt work uh, and also, you know, in, in, in the deep web, in the clear web, um, looking at forums and gathering intel, but that the main part um, through uh, uh, bots that basically uh, gather all this information from uh, you know the clear net in all the paste pins and things like that, and in the deep the deep web in all the forums um, and correlate this information machine learning style. Um, but the, the intelligence that we would be providing due to the fact that uh, we actually gather security telemetry from these systems in an anonymous and agnostic way um, is a very different kind of intelligence. Um, so because we are talking about a blockchain that has several sidechains to it, um, each uh, side cluster uh, or verge cluster is actually can be actually made of other verge clusters. So uh, in the case of, let's say, for example, um, uh, electricity, so let's say that we have electrical powers, electrical power station, stations, companies. And they would naturally be all inside one verge cluster. 
because their policies would be more or less similar, their risks would be more or less similar, um, and their systems would be more or less similar. They would be uh, all using lots of SCADA and, and, and PLC devices, and uh, they would also be quite critical environments, um, and they would have to follow probably very similar international standards or even internal standards. So it makes sense to do that. In the case that, uh, you know, there is a, a threat that is found either through our environment or through other environments, that threat would basically be onboarded or be part of the, how can I say, pool of knowledge that our um, swarm-based AI would have. And uh, the, all, all the parties of these, uh, for example, so let's say that there's a very specific system inside this environment that is shared by all these companies um, has been breached uh, or has suffered an attack recently. A warning would be sent to the other parties too. Um, of course, um, because of the nature of the blockchain, it would be impossible for an observer to say where that happened, who was the company that uh, actually got attacked, um, etc. Um, due to the, the fact that we are using a technology called ZK Snarks, which is, means zero proof of knowledge, we can actually cryptographically prove that something happened in a system that is also shared uh, with others, let's say. Um, but we know that that's bad and we know that's the right system, but we have no idea of proving what that system is or who it belongs to, right? So that protects uh, or takes away the liability from that environment and it improves the security of everywhere else, right? Um, which is really what we would like to have these days. But it's, it's uh, you know, whenever there's a risk, nobody will share that risk, especially if it is a known risk. So if you have a company that has been breached in a certain way, that company will probably not say anything unless they are mandated by law to say so. And they will not give any details. Therefore, if there is, for example, a fault in the in the uh, SWIFT system, for example, in the banking environment, as there was a couple of years ago, um, the bank that has been breached, or the central bank that has been breached, is not going to say anything about it because it reflects very poorly on them. But uh, uh, our environment uh, allows, in the end, uh, for these things to be and uh, not, let's say, not shared, but cryptographically um, uh, allow allow for cryptographic based warnings based on uh, an anonymity, because the system itself doesn't know uh, where uh, that threat comes. Only the owner of that verge cluster, that means only the owner of that network, will know. Nobody else. I see. I see. No, that uh, at least there is an embedded warning system, which is a good, you know, uh, thing to go forward with. So as as your system gets implemented on, you know, devices or irrespective of which entities across industries or you know governments or, or any organizations in academia, what variables in technology or you know what changes in technology or processes would be essential? for your system to be effective to manage the security? It won't need any more changes than already exist. Um, we are approaching uh, this whole uh, problematic from a perspective of, uh, you know, there is already quite a lot of management in cybersecurity. We don't need more. Um, what we need uh, is, of course, uh, uh, these traditional rules to be followed. This just happens to be a system that sits 
right there on top of all these rules um, and that can uh, achieve security from a traditional manner in a completely distributed format, right? Um, bringing forth uh, the advantages that uh, such environments bring, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the trust, the transparency when needed, the um, um, uh, cryptographic uh, uh, validity of things. Um, so for a company in terms of procedure, process, uh, policy, etc., they will need probably new ones. They would just have to, uh, how can I say, implement this tool. As I mentioned, it's quite easy to do. There's no need to, to, to change anything on the ecosystem um, that exists. It's just It just kind of like becomes a new layer. It becomes a new protocol that exists there that needs to be managed. I see, I see. So, I mean, as you know, that there are many initiatives emerging from across nations, even when we just talk about the cybersecurity. So, as you compare all those initiatives that are emerging for cybersecurity using the integration with blockchain, how would you define and describe your Noiris approach to security? You know, in how, how it is, what are its strengths and what, where are its weaknesses as you compare that with, you know, other systems that are emerging? Mm -hmm. So I'm not absolutely sure which systems you're talking about regarding emergence, if you can be a bit more clear. There are several blockchain initiatives emerging in from in United States in, in other uh, countries. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So from that perspective, yes, there are indeed many blockchain-based initiatives in emerging. I mean, from uh, uh, you know gov helping government processes with blockchains all the way to um, uh, helping, for example, banks and industry and, and, and uh, such environments to settle things. We are talking specifically about cybersecurity. With cybersecurity, there have been uh, some, uh, how can I say, there are some plans, but I haven't seen personally any achievements yet on that space. So it's hard for me to compare. Um, but uh, I think the only thing that I have seen in regards to cybersecurity and the blockchain, besides what we are doing, has been, uh, how can I say, something very small in comparison to what we're doing, which is mainly, uh, you know, for example, the um, uh, storage, online storage, for example, uh, when you store, for example, files online, which is, I think it's, 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 it's a great thing. Um, um, it, it's actually, we are partnering with, uh, with uh, some of these, uh, um, innovators at also. Um, so for example, for cloud, from a cloud perspective, from, a, from, a, a file storage online perspective, uh, so that these files are, how uh, can I say, integrity is maintained, um, that uh, to make sure that uh, uh, these files cannot be stolen in a way, because actually the the uh, the blockchain maintains the, the the files together, even across different uh, uh, clouds. So let's say um, one tenth of the file would be in a certain cloud, and the other tenth in another cloud, and the other tenth in another cloud, even though you access the file as a whole. Right. So, so that's, that's really interesting. And we have been partnering with those and uh, moving forward. I think, uh, you know, uh, from the approach that uh, we here and now is in our partners from a cybersecurity and a, in a, in a IT management perspective, uh, not just crypto parties, but other parties, but especially crypto parties or crypto based technology parties or blockchain based technology parties have been seeing is that there is more and more um, uh, or can I say interest, not just in fund, but also to uh, back 
and use such technologies moving forward by, by governments, by critical infrastructure, by military, so on. Um, and uh, um, uh, we ourselves have been contacted heavily on that front, um, both from uh, you know a military perspective all the way to you know a government, uh, um, um, what can I say, regulation structures perspective and their agencies, um, all the way to critical infrastructure and highly regulated industry. Actually, any environment, even healthcare, uh, exchanges, for example, any environment that takes security very seriously, really, um, is backing such initiatives, uh, not just with, uh, with uh, how can I say, currency, with money or investment, but also with their own name and brand. Uh, because uh, not just, you know, it, it's not by chance that you see, for example, the UAE or other countries uh, saying that they want to be crypto governments or they want to be um, um, uh, blockchain-based governments. They understand the, uh, the promise that uh, blockchain brings to such an environment to increase efficiency, to decrease, uh, um, how can I say, loss to, and, and waste, etc. cetera. Um, and the same thing um, uh, is true around the environment of actually assurance, which is what security is supposed to do. Uh, it's supposed to uh, ensure that systems continue to uh, back whatever they are supposed to back, businesses in order to sell their cars or banks to transfer money or governments to, to take care of their citizens, right? So we have seen quite a number of, uh, um, how can I say, uh, contacts coming in from that direction and a lot of initiatives, and we're very proud of being part of many of them. Great. No, that's uh, that's really good news. So as you go forward with uh, your system and uh, designing, defining and, you know, hopefully implementing soon, where do you see any, you know, challenges emerging that uh, you feel that, you know, you need to overcome before this could become a reality? Sure. I mean, I think the biggest challenges from my perspective are related to the blockchain itself. Um, and the maturity of the technology. Um, while there are certain use cases for each, uh, for which uh, it is mature enough, even within the cybersecurity space that we are leveraging uh, already with quite a level of maturity and, and very successfully, um, there are other areas that uh, would need the blockchain to actually become more mature, let's say more quick, more agile, um, perhaps even easier to use uh, in other, other things. Uh, also, from um, from uh, a perspective of, of um, trust, I wouldn't say on the technology, but I would say probably because you know talk, uh, blockchain is, is many times associated with uh, um, how can I say uh, um, historical uh, malpractice uh, and uh, how can I say hackers using bitcoins, for example, for malicious threat actor, actors using bitcoins for payment, etc. Well, you know, I I, I am. Uh, <laughs> I have to say very positive uh, on that front. And I think that's, um, and unfortunately, that is happening. Yes, of course. But uh, that is not even a drop compared to a traditional environment. Um, and uh, like we are tackling or approaching uh, legislation that doesn't stifle innovation on the traditional environments in order to continue uh, to, to, to try and, uh, and tackle these threats, we need to continue to do the same here. And the promise of blockchain is so big that it makes absolutely no sense to approach, uh, how can I say, a, an actor on it that's potentially malicious and, and, and uh, threat the whole uh, ecosystem uh, innovation or future. 
Um, and I think that will not happen. Uh, so I'm very positive on that front. And I think that uh, um, despite blockchains having certain vulnerabilities at the moment, you know, there, there are blockchains that are a little bit more, uh, how can I say, different approaches to blockchain management that uh, allow for 51% attacks and uh, other subversions um, to happen. Um, our approach, we are convinced that uh, actually, actually creates a lot more maturity on that sense. Um, from, from the perspective that uh, uh, we don't use, uh, how can I say, uh, computing power necessarily to validate transactions. We use pure mathematical validations to do it, and we uh, choose our validators randomly. So it's not, uh, you know, it, it, let's say it's not whoever has the most power that can come together and achieve an answer that might might hack the blockchain. Um, it, the validators never know if they are going to be chosen to validate something. Um, um, there's quite a bit more about that in our white paper as well. Oh, um, but yeah, there's a number of threats that have been mitigated by our approaches, but the blockchains technology themselves are also improving quite quickly. So we are going to pretty much go hand in hand with several uh, big, uh, or can I say, world-level um, blockchain uh, uh, um, infrastructure partners and really adopt whatever is the best for what we need to achieve at the moment. So you just said that uh, several threats have already been mitigated by using your uh, approach and system. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that if it's uh, not confidential? So um, I, I, what I mentioned was in terms of the, uh, so what you said is not, is not false, <laughs> but uh, um, what I was mentioning was most more regarding to the blockchain workings, the workings of the blockchain itself, right? The, the vulnerabilities that the blockchain as a system has, right? Um, because that would be the backbone of the consensus environment and the, the, the mechanisms of answering risk. Um, but from a cybersecurity perspective, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, at the moment, we, we can, uh, we can, we, we are, we have the capacity, just to give you an example, to find um, fully undetectable malware, um, zero day vulnerabilities, uh, sorry, zero day malware in systems that have our environment on it and achieve consensus on it 100% of the time, under a second. So we, and that's due to the techniques that we are currently using. Um, as uh, you know, I have also um, gone into in the white paper. Um, so uh, this is just one of the vertents from which that happens. In other domains that I already talked to you about, for example, regarding audit and and, and the compliance and SLA verification is also very clear from a, a perspective of uh, data loss prevention as well. So if a certain file appears in the system that it shouldn't be, um, there will be consensus on deleting it unrecoverably. And, and this, uh, how can I say, this action will be, um, um, or whoever did that, let's say, and their system will be logged through a, um, a system that we have created called SPOE, SPOE, Smart Proof of Existence, uh, into the blockchain, uh, proving cryptographically that something happened in this system by this user. Um, uh, that was related, for example, to some IP leakage, for example, following uh, uh, best practices around uh, um, um, ownership passing. So that would eventually be used even on court. 
um, or for forensics perspectives. Um, so there's a number of things here uh, regarding logging, regarding management of critical applications, etc. that I could speak for a long time, that uh, we can and we are doing at the moment with uh, various multi-billion dollar partners. Great, great. No, wonderful. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially the cybersecurity community, as far as your uh, blockchain cybersecurity initiative goes, what would you like to convey? And also the students, the young people who are out there who are really passionate about making a difference, what would you like to tell them? Where should they focus, especially, you know, to... Uh, join hands or you know to join in efforts or initiatives like yours to make a difference you know uh, for the security challenges uh, that their nation is facing okay so there's three things that i'll say uh, one thing will be uh, about the businesses and the boards the other will be regarding the students uh, and the other one will be regarding the uh, cybersecurity ecosystem itself uh, and how people can actually participate so uh, I'll start with uh, uh, with the businesses. So in my career, I have uh, you know a big, a big part of it, despite being how can I say very passionate about the technical side of cybersecurity. A big part of it was passed at leadership level, so at the CISO level or similar, where my main role was to de-risk businesses from their current risk in boards. So if there's something that the board understands, and this is something I would say to companies, to leaders, is risk. Um, and uh, given, given, you know, historically, um, the, the the truth that uh, that uh, fortunately I'm part of that the uh, cybersecurity environment is constantly evolving, which is a good thing, um, and a bad thing at the same time. But from a perspective of defense, it's a good thing. Um, it has been historically easy uh, for how can I say decision makers in businesses to take the view that something that is innovative and that reduces them risk and potentially even cost um, is extremely beneficial to them. So I would say uh, for, for business leaders to keep their, their, their eyes open and their ears uh, open as well and uh, look at innovation uh, always, uh, of course, uh, 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 by questioning everything, but at the same time by um, looking at it as really a, a a capability or a, a, a promise for de-risking their current risks. And in this context, uh, we believe we are doing exactly that from a very disruptive performance perspective. Um, what I would say to um, students is that uh, uh, probably the best thing they can do uh, in order to, you know, uh, be successful in this space, be it as, uh, you know, uh, for example, a pen tester or as a, uh, a cybersecurity leader or a manager or whatever you would like to do, uh, forensics analyst, whatever it might be, um, would be to, to think laterally, to uh, never stop learning and uh, to uh, go out of your comfort zone um, and uh, play with things. Don't be afraid of breaking things um, because that's really what they're there for. And if you know how to break things, you know how to defend against these things. Um, so just just be brave and bold and think laterally. That's mostly what I would say. Um, and uh, to not focus so much perhaps on, uh, how can I say, getting certifications, even though certifications are good and uh, companies want them uh, and, and they will get you, you know, good salaries. Um, in order for you to, to become a good, uh, a good uh, professional, the most important things, in my opinion, and these, these are the, the qualities that I give to, that I, I, I look for in people that I hire, um, is to really be a lateral thinker. 
because the world will throw you curveballs in cybersecurity every time. Um, and lastly, uh, what I would say to, to, to not just companies, but also students and, and other people um, um, that also, uh, can I say, um, care about uh, um, the crypto world and, and blockchain, perhaps, is that they can also participate in our ecosystem by being a validator, uh, by being what we call a secure node. Um, so that uh, they can do it, they do it basically for two reasons. They, um, so it, it's kind of like a, an environment of validation uh, that is similar to what you would have with mining in cryptocurrency mining. Uh, the only difference is that uh, you wouldn't just be um, mining coins. <laughs> you would actually be mining uh, and getting paid for it, by the way, with coins uh, that is backed by, be backed by, by value. Um, you would be mining the most valuable asset on the internet, which is cybersecurity. Yes, very true, very true, very well said and uh, good advice for uh, those young minds that are out there trying to make a difference and good information for our global viewers and listeners. So thank you so much, David, for participating in Risk Roundup today and we appreciate your thoughtful insight on blockchain and cybersecurity and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on how blockchain can revolutionize cybersecurity and what can individuals and entities across nations can do to protect themselves from the growing threat of information and data security. So even if a single individual or entity can protect their information based on the discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful, David. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace and space. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup webcast or hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.